everyone, and welcome to United Teachers of Lowell's Straight Talk podcast. This is Amy Bisson here with Mickey Dumont. We're the podcast twins, and we are the hosts of this weekly podcast produced by and for members of the United Teachers of Lowell. In our weekly podcast, you'll hear about local, state, and national issues that affect our members. You'll also hear about some of the accomplishments of our members, and we will keep you up to date with news and decisions that impact all of us. Last week, we sat down with Lowell Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Joel Boyd, and heard about his personal story and how his early experiences influenced his passion as an educator and as an administrator. This week, we'll return to our conversation with Dr. Boyd to learn more about his path to Lowell Public Schools Superintendency. We've asked Dr. Boyd to chat with us today to share his professional journey, which is also fascinating. As a middle school educator, wrestling coach, principal, and superintendent, Dr. Boyd has, as he tells us, performed just about every job in education except bus driver. Having walked in some of our very same shoes makes for a unique personal perspective and an appreciation of all the moving parts that make for a great school district. We welcome once again Dr. Joel Boyd to share with us a bit more today. Dr. Boyd, can you talk to us about some of the different experiences Mm -hmm. you've had in your career up to and including your recent time in Boston Public Schools? Yeah, I can. It's it's a long journey. I know. Uh, It's a long journey. I don't don't know. Key experiences. Sure. Uh, So I was a I said I was a middle school teacher. I uh, coached wrestling. I coached wrestling first at the high school level as a volunteer and then was a uh, assistant coach at the uh, assistant head coach or whatever of uh, the title they gave they gave me at that time. There were two of us that were kind of the co-head coach of the middle school team. I uh, left uh, that position uh, quite reluctantly. The teaching was the most fun job I ever had and it was actually a uh, I was teaching, and my wife, uh, my wife and I were living uh, just outside of the area where we went to college together. We met when we were 19 years old, my wife and I, and I was teaching at the district just north of the district in which I grew up in Dover. I was teaching in Smyrna, and during that time, my mother-in-law, my wife's mother, uh, fell ill with cancer, and we made a decision to relocate and to support her mother mm-hmm. with that battle. And uh, so we left, I left teaching without a, having a, another job, and just by chance I was offered a position as an assistant principal at a school that was just a mile away from my mother-in-law's home, mm-hmm. uh, which is how I entered administration. And so I was an assistant principal there. This was a, a grow-a-grade school, so it started as a K through 8, and I was asked to take come on to build out the middle school. And uh, then it was a grow to a K to 9, and I had the opportunity to support all grades as a vice principal for K through nine and uh, my mother-in-law unfortunately lost her battle and at the same time as she lost her her battle I shouldn't say at the same time uh, uh, maybe about four months later uh, my mother uh, suddenly passed but within that then I was awarded a fellowship at Harvard uh, to to earn my doctorate uh, work on my dissertation which was requiring a full-time student status at Harvard. Uh, They didn't offer part-time or these executive programs at that time. And and it was something we we were considering, you know, at that point now we were had moved from just north of my the town I grew up in. And now we were living in the town where my wife grew up. Uh, We had bought a home. 
A month later from being awarded that opportunity, my bro- oldest brother passed. So this was a circumstance of extraordinary difficulty mm-hmm. for my wife and I and having that opportunity to relocate and to move away from all of that with it being a fellowship that uh, was being offered to, uh, to us. Um, seemed like an opportunity that that really was something we should take advantage of. So then we relocated came to Cambridge. Uh, my wife, uh, my wife and I, my wife uh, supported not only myself. My sister moved with us with all of that oh, happening boy. within our <laughs> yeah, family. Yeah. So, uh, so we so that was uh, an opportunity to kind of take a step back, become a full time student again, pursue my my doctorate, uh, relocation to Massachusetts. Uh, from there, I had the opportunity then to work with the superintendent in Miami, uh, which, uh, you know, now is, uh, and he just became an extraordinary mentor to me. That was uh, uh, the fourth largest school district in the country in Miami-Dade County. Uh, the superintendent there uh, was the national superintendent of the year when I was there and just had a lot of opportunity to just look at education differently and through the lens of, a, uh, from a district lens. and. You know, when you're a, a teacher, at least for me, it's, it was about connecting to young people. And but you also see, you know, the many other young people that you just can't, can't support. You can't, you can't, can't, can't wrap your arms around that. You know, not everybody can be in your classroom at once. And as an assistant principal, I could, you know, I learned another lens in uh, the program I was in at, at Harvard was around the urban superintendency. And uh, you know, when I entered that program, I don't even think I knew quite what the role of the superintendent was and seeing it from an academic level, theoretical level, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I can tell you, you know, for someone like me growing up, like I, I did, you know, Harvard is like a whole different, <laughs> a whole different world. I, I didn't know anybody else who had gone to Harvard. I was, you know, I, there is a, I, so for me, that was just a whole, whole kind of surreal experience. And then being able to then connect with the superintendent in Miami that I just found a lot of uh, connection with mm-hmm. personally, professionally, and kind of he was kind enough to take me under his wing, so to speak, and share with me, you know, how you can uh, leverage the good work of doing with one kid, in his case, doing it for 350,000 uh, young that, people. That is a huge district. It was, it was, uh, and uh, but yet uh, doing just some really, he was just doing some really admirable work and kind enough just to, generous enough just to, to share that, that wisdom with me. One thing he told me, though, was uh, he said, you know, he said, if you're looking to lead and you're looking to lead people, you might not want to do that without having walked in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had been a teacher. I had been a teacher. I'd been an assistant principal, but I hadn't been a principal. And, you know, it was um, and that was something that I always was very, very uh, interested in in doing. And uh, it was some great advice he had, he had offered me. And, you know, and I had reluctantly left the classroom and all of these things are, you know, for, as I always say, you know, a, a, a kid from some struggling circumstances to then have the opportunity to be at Harvard and then to down to Miami. I try to take as much advice and wisdom as possible. And, and it was just a confluence of circumstance that, you know, when you grow up in Delaware, there's a, it's a, the city that where you get all of your news uh, is Philadelphia, you know, because it's it's only I was only an hour south of Philadelphia, but yeah. Delaware is so small, yeah. you know, you can get the local news, but uh, that's you know, I had an antenna, I didn't have, you know, as a kid, I had three <laughs> channels, I don't know, I don't know what channel that local news was on. The channels I got were were Philadelphia news channels, Philadelphia sports channels. That's all I had as a kid. So it was the city you identify with is Philadelphia. And so I, I applied for a principalship in Philadelphia uh, and was given that opportunity. And I say often, you know, that was just a, it was a school that was, you know, 
had found some struggles. Uh, was the second was large. It middle school? It was. It was. The second. How do you know that? I'm just guessing. <laughs> just guess. That's probably yeah. the hardest. It was the second largest. It was the second largest middle school in the city of Philadelphia. Oh uh, it was a middle school, uh, you know, 34 different languages spoken in the building. Uh, oh no majority racial population. African-American was the largest at 35% and Hispanic, uh, but a highly diverse school, one of the most diverse schools in one of our country's most diverse cities. And But even having grown up in Delaware, a city that I had really identified with and mm-hmm. Uh, and I say this often, you know, you, the most fun job I ever had was as a teacher. The best job I ever had was as a principal. And the way I kind of differentiate those two is really through, you know, as a teacher, you have control over your classroom. That's right. <laughs> and and but when you're a teacher in a school, and it also gets to you of the many things that you just are outside of mm-hmm. your control. And as a principal, I never left the day with that with that feeling of, what is what is outside of my control that I that I can't? I always felt like as a as a principal that everything within the building, if it wasn't working, it was a result of a decision that I made or hadn't made, and you know there's opportunity to come back. And so, teacher to principal, love both of those opportunities. And I was asked. We did some good work in that school. Uh, some great teachers, uh, incredible kids. They were achieving some incredible results, and I had the honor. To having served as the principal during that time and was asked then by the superintendent to support uh, our lowest performing middle schools throughout the city of Philadelphia and then I was asked to become uh, an assistant superintendent overseeing a, a region of schools so mm-hmm. within a short time the school where I was a principal then was reporting to me and the principal was reporting to me and uh, Philadelphia <laughs> was a it's a, just an interesting uh, you know people look at my background they say well yeah look like you moved around a lot. I say, well, I wish I wouldn't have moved around a lot, but each of those experiences has given me a, another opportunity to support young people. If they haven't, you know, they've been changes that I don't know that you could ever replicate. You know, people yeah. are giving me opportunities, kind enough to give me opportunities or seeing something in me and asking me to do something to support more kids. And as an assistant superintendent in Philadelphia, I had three different superintendents in that one year. So it was one year, and as an assistant superintendent, I had uh, I was supporting at that time 37 schools, 30,000 young people, and with the change of three different superintendents at one time. And now remember, I had uh, at this point had earned my doctorate in the urban superintendency. I had the opportunity to see the lens of a mm-hmm. through the lens of a, a mentor superintendent that I worked closely with in Miami and. A search firm called me and asked me to consider superintendent opportunities. And one opportunity the search firm really pushed me on was Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's a beautiful yeah. place. It is it's beautiful, really beautiful, a really beautiful area, a great community. What people don't often recognize, and um, you know, I say I often find a connection to youngsters who are youngsters who are struggling, uh, at-risk populations. 10% of the student population in Santa Fe is homeless. Uh, 70% of the student population economically disadvantaged. And it was a school district that had, as the capital city of New Mexico, had one of the lowest graduation rates in the state at 56%. And um, so as the search firm is talking to me about that, I had an opportunity to go out and meet with the school board, meet with the community. And, and I was sitting in a circumstance where I had three different superintendents within one year in Philadelphia. And kind of sometimes the stars align and the community there saw a fit in me and I was 
honor to be selected as the superintendent mm -hmm. in Santa Fe and uh, had never been to uh, New Mexico prior to interviewing for the job. Oh, really? Yeah. Never been to New Mexico prior to interviewing for the job, but yet the, what the community was looking for in their superintendent, I guess I represented. I was 33 years old at the time. I believe someone told me somewhere that I was uh, the second youngest urban superintendent in the I country like that. at that <laughs> at that point. I don't know. I don't think they keep like Guinness books or something on that on that. But I do know that every community I said and everybody asked me about my age at that, uh, <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at, the, at that point. And I, so we had a great team, great community. People really rallied together around the schools and we were able to, to achieve some really good work in Santa Fe. I went out there only on a two-year contract. Uh, you know, I, I had never been to New Mexico. Uh, there hadn't been a superintendent before. Uh, I went out on a two-year contract, and the North Star for the community was the graduation rate as a you know high school diploma being an opportunity to break the cycle of poverty for young people. Uh, the community was really rallying around uh, this notion of the fact of, uh, that the Santa Fe was sitting on one of the lowest graduation rates in the state at that time. And that was the... The goal of all of the many things we were doing within our young people was to uh, ensure that they were graduating from high school on a path to college and career success. Uh, and it was a community of Santa Fe would, would say this quite often, you know, it's uh, whether it's regardless of what a child's test score is, uh, is not going to determine their life chances. But whether a child has a high school diploma certainly does. And so we, we set out to, to break a cycle of poverty, generational poverty, and improve life chances for young people by providing them a high all children a high quality education and ensuring that all children graduate from high school on a path to career, college and career success. At the end of four years we were able to uh, achieve some success there going from one of the lowest graduation rates to surpassing uh, the state average. The school district crossed the 70 percent graduation rate for the first time ever. That was a milestone threshold for the community. Uh, you know, certainly the goal is always a hundred percent but you know to make that type of progress and I had extended my contract twice uh, mm -hmm. so I, I started on a two-year contract extended it twice at the end of four years that's also a cohort of high school New Mexico was a place my wife and I we had never been prior to interviewing four years we had made some progress there we felt I felt uh, talking with the school board it was going to be a new school board coming in, we all kind of looked at that, and I like to believe we all looked at that and said, uh, "There's, this is set up for another leader to come in. Certainly I felt it was set up for another leader to be able to come in. And uh, so we made a decision, I made a decision at that time with my wife that we would uh, explore other opportunities. It's a big world. It is a a big lot world. of opportunities, a lot of possibilities to support children, and I had an opportunity offered to me at that time for a technology firm in the Silicon Valley mm -hmm. that was working through this notion of early warning systems. And what it appeared to me at that time was an opportunity to support school districts all across the country with identifying young people at risk very early on so then school districts could do that work and, uh, of supporting kids very early on to succeed in school and in life. So after four years in Santa Fe, I uh, took uh, accepted a position as a, a senior vice president with a learning analytics firm in San Francisco. And this was interesting to me because now 2016, this was the oddest thing to me because you know, you come up through education, it's a very localized industry. Yeah. I'm talking with them about this opportunity and they're saying San Francisco, I'm saying, well, I'm a, my family, we're East Coast uh, people. I had just come out to 
New Mexico. I said, I'm not sure about San Francisco. They looked, you know, they looked at me like I was maybe. They said, well, why do you, you can live anywhere in the world you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're a technology firm. Yeah. The office and headquarters yeah. in San Francisco, that's where the office will be, but we support school districts internationally. Mm-hmm. So I actually, we, so my wife and I, we lived in Florida. Mm-hmm. We moved back to Florida. We lived in Florida. My office was in San Francisco, but I was on an airplane most of the time. Oh, and boy. that's not really that much fun. <laughs> well, listen, you know, and it's always, my wife was enjoying it. We had a nice house on the beach, and, you know, it's like, you know, when you come from the, the hours of the superintendency, and she's, uh, but I, around the holiday time, you know, this is just mm-hmm. that connection to kids, which is how I came mm-hmm. into the work in the first place, and, you know, it didn't really feel like I was scaling up the work to support more kids. This felt like a whole different industry uh you know it's education but it it's not the connection to kids Mm, yeah it's not the connection to kids and and so So how long did you stay i was there for one year uh not your cup of tea (laughs) well it was you know it's very shortly after so maybe this gave it a try you know it was the so it was around a little bit after the holiday time i called and i said look you know it's i'm going to start exploring opportunities to get back into school district work Mm -hmm. just because you know, we're on this earth for a short time. I really do. You know, your life is only as good as the value you give back to others. Mm-hmm. And we each have our own fit. And mm-hmm. the private, we rely on the private sector. We rely on industry. We rely on technology. Mm-hmm. But for me, my fit and my greatest value, I think, here on this earth is the connection with kids, with, with, with young people, connection with teachers, with the classroom. And, you know, as I said, you know, everything just, my mother, I, I told you, my hero. She always said everything happens mm, for, for a reason. reason. That's mm-hmm. right. And, you know, just a short while after me having that conversation with the uh, the company, uh, you know, and I was actually only there. I was there a little bit less than a year, actually. The op- an opportunity came up in Boston okay. where we had uh, we loved living in Cambridge when we were here as a, you know, with that fellowship this by, you know, that I had been offered. So actually when I was thinking about applying to Harvard for the fellowship, my oldest brother, who I told you has since passed, you know, and I was talking to him, I, said, I don't know about this, you know, he, he said, you know, if not you, then who? That's right. You know, so I, that was by chance. Then this opportunity in Boston, the superintendent in Boston called me. He said, you know, I'm really, we've got some schools that are really struggling, you know, and. Which superintendent was that? This was Tommy Chang. Okay. There was a, so he called me and offered me the opportunity to come up and oversee uh uh, 13 schools at that time, which included some schools that were were really struggling, as well as some other schools in the uh, that were that were doing really well, actually. And uh, so it was a, it was a really diverse portfolio of schools, but it was an interesting portfolio of schools for the way that this district was organized, because my schools spanned K through 12 and all across the city, so they weren't geographic nor grade configured. And some of the schools that within were schools that were added to my portfolio just because they were really really struggling and uh we were able to you know great principals great teachers we were able to do some really good work and next year he asked me you know when you do great work in school districts i've learned people they they reward (laughs) we seem to reward our our colleagues which has and i was rewarded with the opportunity then to support our both our most struggling high schools across the city of boston as well as our exam schools which are highly complex Mm -hmm. in the city of boston so uh, just this past year, I had the good fortune of uh, supporting 11,000 young people in the city of Boston across our turnaround high schools, uh, as well as our 
exam high schools and other other comprehensive high schools, including uh, one of the few citywide vocational schools in in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, everything happens for a reason. I guess I I, this, I really believe that. My mother always said it. And so now this past year, then we ended up with uh, three superintendents in one year. <laughs> you it, sure did. <laughs> three superintendents in one year, and you know, it was a superintendent uh, left. We had an interim superintendent, and. Uh, She's thinking about leaving, and at that time, my wife and I are saying, you know, we've been, this has been a journey, yeah. and it's been an adventure. It sure it's been a wonderful yeah. adventure, it's doing great, some great, great, great experiences, but we're ready to settle down. I think most people look at that maybe earlier in their, <laughs> in their lives, I, I don't, and you know, but we've also have really, uh, we think we've had a great experience across the country now at this sure. point, and yeah. We have a good idea as to you know the lifestyle that 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 reflects a quality lifestyle for us. I, I, I believe and we believe we know kind of what's a great fit uh, professionally and personally, mm-hmm. and all those things seem to come together with an opportunity that also was uh, happened to be available with Lowell. Uh, you know, we looked at and we started this process here coming to Lowell by looking at houses. Oh yeah. You know, oh. looking at houses and we. And so my wife and I came up. We looked at some houses uh, here, and you know it all. Did. And then I had the good fortune of being afforded the opportunity for an interview, mm-hmm. and you know a connection with people, connection with the city, connection with the where we're looking to go as a as a family. And all told, uh, you know, kind of I don't know the stars align. Everything happens for a reason, yeah. and we are here sitting down yeah, with this podcast right now. You know. Uh, We're fortunate to have you here. Once again, Mickey and I are deeply appreciative to Dr. Boyd for graciously taking time to chat with us. His career path and his personal story is unique, and we welcome him to the Lowell Public Schools. We're looking forward to the beginning of a new school year at the end of August and with working with Dr. Boyd throughout the coming academic year and beyond. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We are thrilled to begin our second season of podcasts and hope that if you enjoy what you hear, you will subscribe to our podcast using Apple iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator. As always, we welcome your general comments and feedback. If you have suggestions for future podcast topics, or if you are aware of UTL members who might be willing to share experiences and expertise, send us an email at utlstraighttalk, that's all one word, utlstraighttalk at gmail.com. Until next week, this is Amy Bisson and Mickey Dumont wishing you a great week.